Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. The first season, which if you haven't listened to yet, you totally should, saw the release of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling. And thanks to evidence unearthed by proof, on December 8th, 2022, both Daryl Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were finally freed after 25 years behind bars. With that same investigative drive, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, and this time, they are on the streets of Manteca, California, to find out who really killed Renee Ramos. In proof, murder at the warehouse, you hear how, on June 5th, 2000, Renee's body was found buried beneath a pile of debris inside a new Home Depot building. And how, despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jake Silva, and 33-year-old Ty Lopez were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. It's impossible to understand the depths of depression, the way it makes someone feel, and the way it makes them act. On March 25th, 2000, a woman suffering from depression made a decision that cost seven people their lives. At least... That's what the prosecution says. If the defense is to be believed, her actions were at the hands of an undiagnosed illness that had yet to be treated. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On March 25th, 2000, in Martinsville, Indiana, Judy Kirby loaded up four children into her 1989 Pontiac Firebird and drove onto Indiana 67, driving in the wrong direction. With a determination that seemed almost trance-like, Judy made no attempts to stop, turn, or slow down as she ran motorists off the road. While some were able to get out of her way, others ended up in Judy's direct two-mile path. She only stopped when she ran head-on into a van that was being driven by a 40-year-old man named Thomas Reel. Witnesses would later describe the impact as horrific, and the scene only got worse when emergency workers arrived and were able to look inside of the car. Lying there were the bodies of 5-year-old Jacob, 9-year-old Joni, and 12-year-old Jordan, Judy's children, along with her nephew, Jeremy Young, who had been celebrating his 10th birthday. The driver of the van she hit lay dead in his vehicle, surrounded by the bodies of his 13-year-old son, Bradley, and his 14-year-old daughter, Jessica. Prior to her deadly change in direction, Judy's car had been followed by her sister, Janetta Scott, as they headed to Toys R Us to get Jeremy a birthday gift. She lost track of her sister in the traffic and was unable to locate her. It wasn't until later that she received the news of her family's devastating loss. After speaking with witnesses, police were able to piece together a timeline of events while Judy Kirby was rushed to the hospital. 
After losing her sister in traffic at around 3, 3.30 p.m., a man working in his yard near Ralston Road saw Judy stop her car in front of his house. She stared for a few moments and then drove off. Shortly after this strange encounter, the two women reportedly saw Judy stopped in traffic at high school in Thompson Roads. They approached her, asked if she needed any help, to which she asked if she could borrow a cell phone. They obliged, she drove off, and two minutes later, returned with the phone and headed towards Kentucky Avenue. At around 4 p.m., Judy arrived at a baby shower at the Valley Brook Mobile Home Park Clubhouse, with all four children in tow. A shower in which not a single person attending knew her. Witnesses claimed that they heard her say, I need help. And when asked what type of help, she replied, I need a birthday party. Realizing she may be looking for a party at the park's other clubhouse, they gave her directions. She loads up the car and was on her way. She is then seen again about 45 minutes later at the Martinsville Speedway gas station and security cameras catch Judy with all four children entering the station and paying for $3 in gasoline and some candy bars. The attendant also reports that Judy sat in the car for several minutes before going inside to pay and was unable to activate the gas pump without his assistance. Ten minutes later, the phone calls start coming in to dispatch about a white-colored car driving the wrong way along Indiana 67. Reports indicate that she was driving anywhere between 55 and 100 miles per hour, with one of the children, a boy, sitting in the front seat and holding onto the dashboard for dear life. Three minutes later, she comes head-on with Thomas Reel, driving 90 miles per hour and never once engaging in the brakes. Judy Kirby, who was thrown from her car, was arrested on April 14, 2000 and charged with seven counts of murder, four counts of felony child neglect causing serious bodily injury, and one count of aggravated battery. When speaking with loved ones, her devastated family said that Judy had been suffering from depression since the birth of a child just five months before the incident. So much so that on March 2nd, she was admitted into a hospital for treatment, but left before the three-day stay was over. On March 6th, 2001, a Superior Court judge ruled that the prosecution could present information about her hospitalization to the courts, but ruled against so-called evidence that she was involved in interstate drug trafficking. Her trial began on April 23, 2001, at which time jurors were regaled with the first-hand accounts of the carnage witnessed the day Judy chose to pull on to Indiana 67. Judy's attorneys explained that their client had been suffering from an undiagnosed thyroid problem that made her lose touch with reality, while the expert for the prosecution denied such an illness would lead to her bizarre actions. The prosecutors, on the other hand, theorized that, Faced with a failing relationship with her ex-husband's own brother, Judy made plans to take her own life. In fact, Judy's ex-husband testified that she told one of her sons about her plans to complete suicide. And another witness testified that Judy's actions may have been influenced by a fear of getting arrested on drug-dealing charges. As the trial came to a close, the defense reiterated their arguments that Judy lost control of her senses in the throes of psychosis believing that the Secret Service was tunneling under her home to spy on her and ripping at her walls to find surveillance devices. They also played an emotional tape-recorded statement taken after the crash where Judy can be heard saying, I want to know why. I love my babies. I wouldn't do nothing to hurt my babies. I swear to God in heaven, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. 
I swear to God that is all I love. I wouldn't do nothing to hurt my babies. None of my babies. At the ending of their argument, the prosecutor dramatically paused for 87 seconds to illustrate how much time Judy had to pull over after turning the wrong way. The jury deliberated for 10 hours and found Judy Kirby guilty of all seven counts of murder. On June 13th, she was sentenced to 215 years in prison. Her later appeals were all refused, as was her request for a new trial. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to what terrible thing happened on March 26th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.